Welcome to the weekly podcast. I'm Heather from Wiggly Wigglers. And I'm Farmer Phil. We're in the Wiggly kitchen today, so any creaking is in the kitchen. A support issue, is it? <laughs> Certainly not. If you've never tuned in before, the Wiggly podcast is sort of farming, gardening, natural, native... Rural. Rural. It's like the archers, but real. And we're glad you've joined us. Thank you very much. This week, we find out about the government's latest edit on bovine TB badgers and what the implications will be to us and the badgers Rach is in the Gambia so it may be that we hear from her but we don't know she may pop a file in the drop box or she may not I'm not aware of any major diplomatic incidents in Africa today so that we're safe so far she rang in to say that she'd been to see the farmers growing the crops and she was just racing in a 4x4 to the traffic lights because at the traffic lights is where they sell their produce But first off, Farmer Phil, for those that haven't listened to previous shows, we have spoken about TB for the past five years. We have expressed our concerns and our worries and our joys when we've gone free of reactors. And so if you want to find out more about that, go back to previous shows. But as a quick recap, we love badgers. We do. It is their involvement with TB that creates the problem. Historically, cattle gave the badgers bovine TB. They are a species who can, are, are susceptible to it. And the problem has since not improved, although it was tolerable in as much that we tested the cattle and took out any cattle with bovine TB. And the situation was pretty stable. It actually only really went wrong in 2000 when we had the foot and mouth outbreak and the risks of spreading foot and mouth outweighed the risks of TB so we stopped testing which then allowed bovine TB to take a real hold in the cattle which meant that they probably reinfected more badgers but essentially the incidence of TB skyrocketed at that point and it would appear that we tipped the balance we got over the point where we could retrieve it and the disease in certain areas in the country is endemic in the badger population, and they are reinfecting the cattle. Continuous testing and slaughtering of the cattle is not having significant effect in these hotspot areas on the disease. But wildlife lovers would say, well, the farmer is the person that caused the foot and mouth problem, the farmer is the person that has the cattle, the cattle are not wild in the country, they've infected the badgers. Badgers are wild creatures, so wrap up. Well, without wanting to put blame on why TB exists or why foot and mouth is is spread, the facts of the matter are that the badgers have got TB. And TB is no good to the badgers, nor to anyone else. On a purely welfare situation for the badger, it takes it weeks to die a horrible, miserable death. 
and during that time it gives it TB to other badgers as well as other cattle and anything else that might be lurking. It's not good for the badgers. But in that case, why don't the numbers naturally decline? I know personally that badger numbers here have increased because when I was a child, the first badger I ever saw in my life was in Sutton in Surrey behind a pub when people were feeding badgers. I never saw one in my childhood. And now, if I come home from the pub in the the evening, I can guarantee that I will see at least one badger on the road on the way home. You'll see the one in the middle of the three that you'll see. (laughs) That's a fair comment. But I think that that there's quite a lot of of evidence to suggest that by the time that TB becomes a population-limiting factor within the badger population all the cattle in the country and various other species, including other wild species, will also have gone down with TB and we'll have a big problem. However wild these animals are, they are affected by us humans' interaction with them. But did we use to control badgers? You know, was there a sort of... Absolutely we did. Pre-96, badgers were shot, not in vast numbers, but they were controlled by gamekeepers and farmers because of the damage that they do. But they didn't set out to wipe them out. The problem has now got to the point that the badger numbers have exploded. There are roughly twice as many badgers now as there were in 1996 when they were protected, so that their food sources have become quite a constraining factor on them. This has led them into closer contact with the cattle, because they go after the cattle food, which they happen to like. And so this has led to this problem, the interaction's closer, the disease transfer is easier to take place, The disease pressure is higher because there's more of it. The animals are stressed because they're hungry, potentially, which leaves them more susceptible to the disease. And the badger, apart from getting run over on the road, has no predators. So that with no control, there's nothing going to control the population. How how does a badger and a cow pass TB to each other? Basically, it's through the muck or urine. Badgers uh, urinate all the time that they're walking about. That's just how they are. When they're foraging, they're urinating all the time. A diseased badger, the urine contains the TB bacteria. He's foraging on the cow's pasture. Or if they come into the cattle yard, he'll be foraging in the cow's manger and urinates on what the cow then eats, whether it be grass or the silage or whatever's in the manger. And so then that infects the cow. But also when the cow mucks or urinates in the field... The badger is rooting through the cow pats because there are insects and things that it likes in that, so that if the cow's got TB that it can infect the badger that way. So that it goes both ways. It doesn't sound very pleasant, but that's how it is. That's just how they are. If you're eating your breakfast cereal on the train at the moment, or perhaps partaking of a, a lovely glass of wine, sorry about that. I think it's also worth adding that this situation... There are welfare implications both for badgers and cattle. There are welfare implications for the farmers because the human cost of this, you know, the stress of actually testing your cattle and having them taken down, and you've got no idea whether you're going to go down or not. It shuts you down with test positive with TB. In many ways, is far worse than foot and mouth because you know foot and mouth is coming, and so the likelihood is high. With TB, you don't really know. And when you get TB, the government shuts your business down and then you have to go through a lot of paperwork and whatever else to actually rebuild your business in a a TB-infected way. So before our listener thinks that there's 
cattle sort of roaming around full of TB. That's not the case, is it? No. You are tested by law, all, all your cattle. In areas where TB is not a problem, you're tested every three years. In areas where TB is more of a problem, you're tested at least annually. And if you've got inconclusive, which is like a sort of halfway house, or you've got reactors, you're tested every two months. And every time an animal comes up positive, it is slaughtered and taken away. So that from the cattle's point of view, and this is what has upset the farming community so radically since the year 2000, that we have slaughtered thousands and thousands of cattle without actually dealing with the whole disease so that we've just had the cattle reinfected and reinfected. And this isn't an economic problem in itself because we're compensated for the cattle that are slaughtered. The, the hassle comes in the testing, the shutting down of the business and the emotional trouble. It, it's, it's never the horrible cow that they take. It's always your favourite cow or your best bull. Or it, It'll be something that has a, an emotional... It always is. It just sods law dictates that that's how it works. And also it takes a lot of time, doesn't it? I mean, the vets have earned a fortune on the back of it. There are veterinary businesses which have a bottom line put in their business by it. But, but g- give me an idea of, so testing our cattle, how long would it take? Well, to, to, test, to test our herd, we'll occupy a vet for two whole days to, to conduct the test. And so that's you as well? And me, and, and, and probably member, a team or member or otherwise, yeah. And how often are you doing that? We are on once a year. Right, Because but we are in a high-risk area, but we haven't got TB, touch wood, at the moment. But when you've got reactors, then you do it again yep, and again. Every two months. And again. Yeah. And also, when you've got reactors, the test is judged on a harder scale. So it's harder to pass the test. And the reason for that is that you blood test or post-mortem any animals that are slaughtered and they actually go looking for TB, they try and culture, that do a bacterial culture. Now, that is, because the test isn't 100% sure, they want to make sure that they cover it. So that the only way you can get clear is have two clear tests in succession, and then you're deemed not to have TB then. But that doesn't mean that you won't have had animals slaughtered, it'll mean that they've come back negative for TB. And of course, a lot of these young cattle say you've got young male cattle aren't that easy to corral and actually test absolutely they're 500 kilos half a ton of excitable muscle they're jumping around they don't really know their own strength and if they get you between them and a gate or a wall or whatever it hurts usually and the more testing the more risk well the, the worst ones from that point, yes, the more testing, the more risk, but actually the worst ones are the cows, because they know what's coming. It stings, or appears to. They don't like the inoculation, they have a skin inoculation, they don't like it, it's, it stings. And they know it's coming, they get used to it, because you, know, you have them for perhaps 15 years, some of them, and they've been tested that many times, they know exactly what's going on. So they don't want to go into the cattle crush, they don't want to... It makes them harder to handle so there's welfare issues from that but on top of all all of those issues and what has really precipitated the government's action is the enormous cost of the whole thing right because the government stands the cost of the testing so by the government you mean the taxpayer taxpayer yeah yeah, defra so what sort of cost are we at well 
In the last year, we've slaughtered 25,000 cattle at a total... 25,000 cattle? Yeah. At a t- and that's just in 12 months. That's a lot of meat. It is. and The meat doesn't go into the food chain, of no, course. No, no. The slaughtered cattle are incinerated. Although I would have to say that meat that comes from a farm that is shut down, so that they are within the, the time frame of having TB, it is safe to slaughter that and eat it. Yeah. You can't get bovine TB through... Yeah. The, so that but they, these... Cattle These that cattle that are reactors get incinerated, yeah. having been tested and cultured. But the total cost to the taxpayer in the last 12 months was £63 million. Now, obviously, in these times of financial constraint, these sorts of figures are of great interest to a government. And so, basically, they have been forced into addressing a difficult situation as to how they can actually progress this, which is what the announcement this morning has been all about, and essentially what they've said is that they've identified four or five hotspots within the country, as we said earlier, where the, the TB appears to have become endemic, and they are proposing to issue licences to groups of farmers under pretty strict rules to vaccinate and cull badgers alongside testing or continued testing of cattle. In an so effort. is this what you've been waiting for as an industry? I mean, this probably will cause all sorts of outrage with people that see the idea of killing badgers as completely against what mm. they think. But I'm afraid done. that from their point of view, they are not looking at the whole situation. The TB, I know they have no worries about the cattle or the farmers or the cost to the taxpayer or anything. That's not their concern. But if they just looked at the welfare of the badger, that they would see that it was better to get rid of TB and badgers. And they can't come up with any better idea of how to do it. So that they will kick off Big Star. There's no doubt about that. But I sincerely believe that they're wrong, and I sincerely hope that they actually can take the view that this is an unfortunate situation which has been made worse by a number of unfortunate situations, notably foot and mouth, and that something has to be done about it. And this is a well-thought-out strategy. The idea of combining vaccination with culling is a good one. How the heck are you going to vaccinate the badgers? Because why didn't they do that in the first place? The problem with vaccinating the badgers, and the reason they didn't do it in the first place, is that they don't really know how successful it's going to be. But what they're trying to avoid, in the past, when they've tried killing out areas of badgers... The incidence of TB around the periphery of the area has gone up. And this, this word perturbation, whatever that means. And what they're trying to do is to reduce the risk of this business where you have infected badgers coming into population gaps and all the possible reasons why that might happen. So what they're saying is that as well as culling diseased areas of badgers, they want to vaccinate badgers as well, particularly around the edges, so that they can get rid of this issue of perturbation, so incidents of TB going up around the edges of a cull area. So this isn't farmers being able to go out and shoot badgers willy-nilly. This nope. is, you apply for a licence if you're within an area. They will you I, pay, do you? The, there will be no incentive for the farmers to carry out the culling or the vaccination. It will be at the farmer's expense. They will apply for a licence to do it, and in order to get that licence, they will have to comply with several criteria. 
one of which is that they've got to be in one of the identified hotspot areas. Another of which is that they've got to, I think the figure is 150 square kilometres is the minimum size of the area. And within that area, they've got to achieve 70% of the farmers in favour of it. Right. So that instead, you don't have just individual farms getting a licence to shoot the living daylights out of all the badges. It is a targeted and plotted and supervised approach. Personally, I'm, I'm not sure about the science of that, but I like the idea that it's regulated and I like the idea that the farmers collaborate in how they do it. Can you explain badger baiting just so that we've got clear the difference? Yeah, the reason for badger baiting is betting, gambling. Right. And to so it's completely e- different yeah, to... to some extent, breeding, fighting-type dogs. Right. It's, it's nothing to do with the badger, although the badger's bravery and the willingness of a badger to fight, to them, makes it more sporty. So this is nothing to do with farmers? Nothing to do with farmers, nothing to do with TB, a completely separate crime. So this... They get the dog to go down the hole and have a scrap. You basically dig the badger out yeah. and pit it against the dog. I see. So there is no way that this legislation can have anything to do with badger baiting or shooting badgers without licence or... No, badger baiting has and always will be very definitely totally illegal and you go to jail for being caught badger baiting. I suspect that if you get caught shooting badgers without a licence, you'll also go to jail. It is quite important, not just from a PR aspect of farming, but in general, that we set rules that have scientific basis, accept that there might be nasty bits to them, but accept also that it is for the general good at the end of the day. And I believe that this will help to set us back towards a more balanced population of both in these areas and hopefully TB free. It'll give us a chance to get on top of the disease. So what about the separate issue that badger numbers have doubled? Well that is a separate issue and whilst this will obviously drastically reduce badger numbers in the worst areas it doesn't really address the problem that the badger population has exploded and that is a much harder problem to address. I don't think they've sought to even go there because for obvious reasons having made them a protected species it's very difficult to say well actually you can go and thin them out a bit what would you say to our listeners that are members of the badger trust and horrified at today's news i'd say please don't be horrified because although the driving factor behind this is essentially government spending and farming you have to bear in mind that this is for the good of the badger as well. That whilst the badgers have TB, that's no good to badgers. It, you know, it's a horrible disease that will kill them. And that if you are worried about the welfare of a badger, all you've got to think about is the six or so weeks that TB takes to kill one. He's gone now. For those of you that are jumping up and down with anger and thinking that you've got a different view on badgers to farmer fields, you've got a different view on management of wildlife, why don't you, instead of jumping up and down or even turning off your iPod, 
get in touch with us and let us know what you think. We would love to have you on the show and hear somebody else's viewpoint. That's what we'd like you to do. You can email me, heather at wigglywigglers.co.uk. That would be lovely. Now then, next week's show, we've got Ricardo back on the show. Oh, we've got all sorts. And we'd like to tell you that we have actually made it. It's our five-year anniversary. Our podcasts have been going out through the Tinternet for five years. We started in September 2005. So... Happy birthday to us, happy birthday to us, happy birthday dear Wigglies, happy birthday to us. If you could possibly pop and put an iTunes review up, that would be just the jolly job. There hasn't been one put up in a month. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful week and we will be back next week, same time, Monday morning. Bye.